All right. Hello and welcome to episode one of Aaron Air Out, my new podcast that I'm going to try and do weekly. For those of you that don't know, my name is Aaron Brock. I'm 26 going on 27 and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I have recently uh, quit my job to try and pursue more creative ventures and try and find a, a purpose and what I want to do with my life. And one of those things I want to do was start a podcast. So we're just diving right off the deep end and going right into it. So who am I? It's a great question. I don't really know how to describe myself. I think most people would describe me as a quiet person, a respectful person, but mostly quiet. I don't speak out much. Uh, but when I do, I usually try to be funny. That's what I've always found. <laughs> That's what I've always found people enjoyed about me. Uh, but that's not always a good thing. Um, man, talking to yourself is harder than I thought. I thought I would just hit record and just all these thoughts would just come spewing out. I've thought about doing this podcast so many times. Like, oh, I can talk about this, 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 and this. And now that I'm actually doing it, nothing is in my mind. It's blank. I did write down some notes that I want to talk about. And I'm going to try and follow those. But for the most part... We're just going to see what happens. As you can see, I did not plan most of this. Um, Like I said, I was a quiet person for always. uh, Ever since elementary school, I never spoke up much. I remember having lots of talks with teachers that I never uh, put my hand up or answered questions. I never asked for help. I always just kind of did my own thing. Uh, And I did talk like when I'm with a group of just my friends. Or, you know, I talked to myself a lot. But just in large social settings, I was never never the life of the party, never wanted to be the center of attention. I was always just the one listening, which I now know is actually not a bad thing. It's a good thing to not be the, the loudest voice in the room and kind of take your time and observe. You learn more that way, I think. Um, but there's something I always found was that when I was being funny, people appreciated it and people enjoyed it. So that was something I always kind of fell back to. And that's now where I am today is I want to kind of try and make a career out of being funny, which I've learned is much harder than I thought it would be. Uh, doing a podcast, making videos, uh, doing stand-up has been something that's been on my mind for like the past two years that I've yet to actually uh, take a stab at and actually get on stage and do, which for one part, COVID made it very difficult because there's not a lot of places you can actually go up and do stand-up right now. And secondly, just in general, where I am right now in Waterloo, there's not a lot of opportunities for open mics where they're just letting amateurs go and test things out. So that's definitely been a learning experience. Um, But let's try and get some, get back in order. Let's go back. I want to do this kind of like a timeline, talk through my life and my story. Um, I got notes that says childhood, being quiet, being funny, dressing as a girl. Uh, I did, yeah, that was one of the things I learned whenever we had to do like a a class skit or a class dance in elementary school, I would always be the one in the dress because I thought that's, that's the funny guy. I wanted people to look at me and be like, oh, that's the funny guy. That's the person people are going to look up to and like. Um, And I think it gave people other ideas as well about me that I was always the first to put my hand up to be in a wig and a dress. Um, But it was purely because I thought that'd be funny and that'd get people's attention. 
And all throughout school, it was the same thing. I never asked questions. I never put my hand up. I was never outgoing. I was a good student. I did my work. I got good grades. But I was just never never the loudest voice. I was always the, the quiet one in the back of the room. And then in eighth grade, I think was the first time I kind of found a new talent of mine. We have to do yearly speeches in front of the class. And then if you did well enough, you'd go in front of the school and then so on and so on into bigger and bigger audiences. So in eighth grade, I remember like the smartest kids in the class had a different assignment. They weren't tasked with doing the speech. They had to go, I don't even know what they were doing, but they had a, an alternative assignment. So there's maybe of the 30 kids in the class, maybe 20 of them were doing a speech. And I ended up uh, being chosen as the top speaker for the class. I did a speech on Alcatraz, La Isla de los Alcatraces, or Island of the Pelicans. That's about the only part of the speech I remember at this point. Um, and I remember before doing the speech, writing on my cue cards and just being like massive butterflies in my stomach, so much anxiety and so much fear. But then when I was actually doing it, I mean, I had rehearsed so many times. I didn't need the cue cards. I just talked. And I think it was, it was such a shift in perspective when like the difference between a conversation and a presentation because in a presentation, you are in control of the situation. You have the information and everyone else is tasked to listen. Whereas in a conversation, it's like a give and take. I have never been good at conversation. I've always felt that, you know, I have to say something really funny or interesting to kind of prove my value in the conversation. Kind of a very much a, a people pleaser. And that's been something I'm trying to work on for the past year in therapy. Um, but in a presentation, I'm in full control. And it was, I was so relaxed doing it. Like once I, before speaking, I was always so nervous and anxious. But once I started speaking, it was easy because I knew what I was talking about. And I realized that how I'm saying things and what I'm saying can impact like the reactions of the audience. And the difference between uh, people who just read their cue cards uh, and kind of, you know, look at their feet as opposed to the people who memorized it and spoke out to the audience, making eye contact, that just the difference in confidence that made in the reaction of the audience. That was like instrumental in teaching me, you know, public speaking, I guess. Um, and after that moment, I was, I didn't really get better at speaking in class but I did get more comfortable with myself and knowing that in those situations where it's just me in front of the audience, like I can succeed and I'm good at that. Whereas a lot of people aren't, I think public speaking is the number one fear like in the world. And I'm not afraid of it at all, which no one, all the teachers were so surprised. They were always talking the quiet kid, the one who never speaks is the one who's going up and doing a speech in front of the entire school board and in front of, you know, I did it in front of this entire school of, I don't know how many kids were at school, a couple hundred, maybe more, four or 500. Um, and then after that, I did it in front of our school. And then I went on to do it in you know, like a competition uh, with students from all different schools. I think there was 10 of us and did it for all their parents, probably another like 200, 300 people in the audience, but 
not so many students, more parents there to watch their kids go and then friends and family. Uh, and I did not win that speech contest. I don't even think I placed on the podium. Uh, I know I lost to a kid that did a speech just on himself. That was kind of frustrating. He just, and his speech was all about me. Um, but his speech was, he went the humor side and being confident and funny. And that seemed to work out well. I think that's what people mostly like. If you can be funny, people will, you'll keep their attention. And then I took that throughout high school. Again, I didn't really, I didn't speak in class. I didn't put my hand up and answer questions for most of high school for grades nine to 12. Um, but whenever I had to do a presentation, I was always stoked way better than making a diorama or writing a test or doing an exam. Everyone, but everyone else would groan when the presentations come up, but that was, that was my favorite part because I knew I could just get up there and actually be myself and control the situation. And I knew I could just be funny and people would pay attention and people would like me more. Um, and going through high school, uh, we had choices of the arts in grade nine, I took drama and music and I was, I was good at both. Not to brag. I was really good at both. Uh, and then moving on past that though, I kind of, I can only choose one to move forward with either drama or music because I had to fill my classes, the rest of my classes with maths and sciences and Englishes and all the classes you need to get through university. So I stuck with music the whole way which looking back now is kind of a regret of mine because I'm not doing anything with music, but drama, I think it would have done a lot more for my self-esteem and my confidence. Um, being able to perform uh, using, I guess, my personality rather than music, you're just using your musical ability. Um, and now coming back to where I am now in my life, I think drama would have definitely immensely helped the situation. Um, but yeah, going through high school, I think I was always as an acne faced kid. I had braces, just very low confidence. I had, I wasn't like a loner or anything. I always had friends, a group of friends to go through with. I always had people hang out with people knew me. I don't think anyone really had a problem with me. People stood up for me. So it wasn't a bad experience at all. I was just, didn't say much. Uh, and then after in about grade 12, I got my braces off. My acne started to clear up and I got this like rush of confidence and I started just being so much more open uh, with everybody and talking to people I'd never talked to. I would just share my mind. I'd actually, you know, put my hand up in class and answer questions. I'd talk in class. I'd, you know, be friendly with more people than I never was before. And people were like receptive of it. People appreciated it. People enjoyed it. People liked when I was around. And it was this like life-changing experience the last year, the last two years, I guess, of high school. I did a victory lap as well because oh, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, but in grade 12, yeah, just just this rush of confidence came over me. And uh, I felt really good. It was probably like the, the height of my life. I was super happy and I was like excited to go to school. I wasn't bummed out. I liked all my classes. I had different friends in all my classes. Uh, and I remember particularly one time we had a, we do these band concerts. I did band all through high school, five years. And one particular moment we were rehearsing these smaller uh, trios 
of instruments as part of the saxophone. I guess there's a quartet because there's four of us, uh, the saxophones. And normally we just have two MCs that would introduce each of the acts at our big, our biannual concerts, this spring concert and the winter concert. I think this was the spring concert that the saxophones were performing at. And I said that I would, I would introduce our group. I want to introduce the saxophones. So the time comes when the saxophones are going to perform. I go to the back. The the, uh, the performances are done in the the cafeteria, where we had the stage was set up in there. And so, the MCs are kind of just like did a small intro. So coming up next, blah blah blah. And I go to the back of the cafeteria and I just announce, everybody stop. And everyone stops to look at me. The MCs walk off. And that's when I realize I have nothing prepared. I've just announced the entire cafeteria filled with parents to come pay attention to me. And I have nothing. So I just start a slow clap as I walk. Walk up to the stage. Everyone starts clapping along. And I get to the mic. And I, I couldn't even tell you what I said because I just improvised all of it. But people were laughing. People were clapping. We did a performance and it went great. Like all the attention was on me and everything I've learned through presentations of just, you know, being confident up there. If you're confident, it doesn't really matter what you're saying so much. It's just like the energy you're putting out is the energy the audience will receive. If you're confident up there the com- and you're comfortable, that the audience is going to be comfortable and they're going to be listening to you. But if you're up there and you're you're scared and you're nervous, the audience is, is going to like feel bad for you and they're not going to be enjoying themselves so much because they'll be worrying for you like oh this poor guy but I didn't do that and after the show I remember so many people came up to me and complimented me like great job Aaron wow that was really good that was really entertaining and that's the first time like I guess I'd really stood out and people actually noticed me for who I am and, what, and my personality and that felt felt really good and um that was in grade 12 again it was a great year and then that's the year you apply to schools and i had applied to i think three schools trent guelph and queens all for bachelors of arts because i didn't have a calculus credit to go for a bachelor's of science and i was excited to go to guelph actually and I was, that was the, what I was going to go to. I hadn't, hadn't accepted the offer yet. Um, I remember talking to one of my friend's parents, and I told her, I think her son was going for engineering at Queens or something. And uh, I told her I was going to go to Guelph for a Bachelor of Arts. And she goes, okay, what are you going to do with that? And I had no idea. I was like, I don't know. Like, that's just, I was excited to, like, go and meet new people and just, I didn't even know what classes I would take, but I was just like really excited about the prospect of going off to university after this, you know, all this newfound confidence I'd gotten in myself. Um, so then that one little conversation kind of talked me out of going for a Bachelor of Arts because I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to get a job, what's the point in going for it? What's, what am I going to do with it? So I go back to high school for another year, take a victory lap. Uh, take my calculus credit, which was only running in second semester. So I had to take a full year again. And I think I took like weightlifting and communications technology term one, and then leadership and calculus semester two. So I was only 
in school for the afternoons, which wasn't too bad. Um, but leadership was kind of, again, where I found more confidence in myself. And I was like really stepping out of my comfort zone and being like a really personal person, which I'd never been in my life. And I was super outgoing. I think that I was also paired up with the weightlifting class and I was getting consistent exercise. I was going to the gym routinely. I was never a, a big buff guy. I was super skinny back then. Same height I am now. I'm about six, six feet, six foot one. Um, and back then I weighed like, I think 125 or something. I was super narrow, just skin and bones. Um, but just the regular, regular exercise, I guess, did wonders for my serotonin. And then just, I was just always putting myself out there and talking to people. And I had such a, a wide group of friends in all my classes. And leadership class was, you kind of, I guess you design and plan events for the school. And I don't know if they really teach you. I don't know if I learned anything in that class. It was just a super fun class where I could kind of be free. And the teacher had like a ton of trust in me. I had lots of jokes in the class. Uh, my nickname was Brad for, um, I think it's because I forgot our teacher's name one day, Miss Webb, and I called her Ma'am Lady. And she, as a retort to me, she called me Brad. And that just kind of stuck. I put it on my leadership, leadership shirt. Hi, I'm Brad. Um, and that class was just a ton of fun. I remember particularly one assignment was we had to pick uh, pick a, like a world event or a world cause or world event and uh, do a quick presentation, five or 10 minutes, I think, in front of the class on it. And I picked global warming. Um, and everyone had all these well thought out presentations with stats and facts and evidence. And I went up with absolutely nothing. I went to the whiteboard and drew a penguin and a polar bear on the whiteboard and said, this is Pablo Penguin and Pedro Polar Bear and global warming is killing them. And then I just improv for, I don't know, five minutes, uh, just making up whatever I could about how global warming is affecting these two characters and what we can do to help them. There was no science behind it. There's no evidence. Um, and then at the end of all the presentations, the class had to vote for who, I guess, who had the best presentation. And you could vote for yourself, and I refused to vote for myself because I knew I did zero work for it. I didn't deserve it. Uh, but I still ended up winning. And in a class of 30 people, the fact that I had won just by being myself was, again, like, wow. What did that did wonders for my self confidence and I feeling excellent. Um, and that was what the entirety of leadership was like. People like looked up to me, people asked me for help. I would joke around with anybody, I was like super outgoing, the exact opposite of what I am or what I was for the seven, or not even seven years, like 10 years that followed that. That would have been. 20, 2012, 2013. Uh, so I guess nine years or so. Um, so I, you know, did my grade 13, got my calculus credit. And then from there, I went to the University of Waterloo. Uh, my goal was to be an environmental scientist 
and study natural disasters. That's what I want to do. I want to study earthquakes and tornadoes and all that. I chose University of Waterloo because my friend Reed went there. Um, and f I moved in with my current roommate now, Ethan, who I'd known since grade 10, I think, was when we met. Uh, and then we lived together in the penthouse of E.B. Hall, UWP, 13th floor. Uh, day one, the elevator's broken, so I have to carry everything up the stairs. Uh, and first term of university went really well. It was, I, you know, I put effort in, I went to all my classes. I put in effort to everything. I think I had like a 80-something average, uh, and I really cared about it. I was really enjoying it. And then semester two comes around, and all of that goes away. Um, if I'm trying to guess what happened, I think it was a combination of uh, getting my heart broken um, and also turning 19 and uh, finding alcohol. Although alcohol wasn't a huge issue uh, first year, uh, but that'll it'll creep up later on in life. Um, but just semester two, I remember I just lost all motivation for all my classes. I didn't, I never had friends in any of my classes. I didn't go out and make any friends. Uh, in that orientation week, I don't think I went to a lot of the events. So I didn't know anybody. So, and since I didn't know anybody, I didn't really want to go to class either. So that's when I started not going to class, started staying home. Um, and then my, I found that even if I don't go to class and I just do all my work like the day before it's due, I can still pull off like 60s and 70s, which is enough to pass. Um, but by this time, I'd learned that to get into the natural disasters course, you have to take a lot of geology and mineralogy courses, which I absolutely hated, staring at rocks and minerals for hours on end. Um, we did a, a class trip to Bancroft um, up in northern, on, not even, I guess it's northern Ontario, but not super northern Ontario. Um, I remember all the kids on that trip were like super excited to be there and like super excited to like just to like do the work. And I was like, I have no passion for this. Like I didn't enjoy it at all. We're standing on the uh, the side of a highway. It's probably November and it's really cold. And there's kids literally skipping up and down like giddy to take rock samples and looking at this rock. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm colorblind. And a lot of identification for minerals and rocks comes from their color. So I'm staring at like a big gray slab, supposed to be just identifying all the different features on it. And I can't tell anything. So I'm just shivering and just holding on a Ziploc bag as my teammates. My teammates or my, uh, my project mates added stuff into the bag. And I was just having a miserable time. Um, and then they for that evening after the after everyone had collected all their samples and spent the day looking at rocks uh, they took us to the LCBO so everyone could get some drinks and then we go back to this little campground we were staying at everyone had different cabins we had a fire never had some drinks um I remember I definitely I mean when I drink I definitely got more confidence in who I was you know I was more outgoing and closer to that guy and in high school at the end of high school uh and then yeah i started chatting with more people you know more people like who i am they're like 
because I'm actually being myself, actually showing who I am. Um, but then the same thing I always have a drink, you, you drink too much and then that goes away very quickly. There's like the two or three beers are great. And then every beer after that, just, it's just downhill, downhill, downhill after that. Um, so like, I'm just super outgoing and like positive guy at the night. And the next day I'm like back to just being my old quiet self and not wanting to interact with people. All the people who had chatted with that night and like been buddies with, I'm like, I no longer want to be buddies with them and don't talk to them anymore. Um, and yeah, the rest of the trip, I was kind of back to being my old quiet lonesome self. Um, so yeah, after that point, I had switched. I mean, I guess before this point, I had switched out of the geoscience program I was in to just a regular honors bachelor's of science, which gave you a lot more freedom in the courses you could take. You just had to take a certain amount of, you know, science courses and then the rest could all be electives and i'd done that because that's what reed who i followed to waterloo had done as well he switched out of his program into this honor science program and all you had to do was keep above a 55 average um to stay in the program and that was very easy for me like i said if i just put in the minimal effort i found i could get a 60 or 70 and just kind of coast through university not really taking anything in not experiencing anything just staying home skipping class and then waiting for the weekends where I could drink again. And then that's where I kind of had convinced myself that the only, uh, the only way people will like me is when I have the, the liquid courage and that I'm more fun when I'm drinking and when I'm not drinking, I'm not fun at all. It's not boring. And that's when I started. Now I know it's, that's when I started developing my depression and that I just had no motivation, nothing in life really excited me or, you know, I didn't look forward to anything. I was just like going through the motions of life. And I knew like, okay, well, I'm just going to get through school. Then I'm going to get a job. And then I'll start making money and everything will be fine. So I go through um, four years in Waterloo. And then my last term I did at home. And I just, I just had to like get credits. So I think I took six... Yes, yeah, six first year like psychology, philosophy, organization classes. Just all just just looked up the easiest courses I could take. That could just kind of phone it in. I even like midterm I went to Southeast Asia with my mom, and like still just did assignments like in Cambodia on a laptop, and submitted them just so I could like get my degree. Uh, and I did. I did get my degree. I didn't go my graduation because again I didn't have any friends that I would want to see at the graduation. So I didn't really care to go. Um, and then uh, I guess before I graduated, I had to do my exams uh, remotely because I was doing uh, all my courses at home. So I had to go to a proctor in uh, Keswick. I'm from Barrie originally, if you know where that those places are. So I had to drive to Keswick to go to this ex like registered exam center. And one of the the main proctor there was that kind of asked me what I want to do next. And uh, I was going to go to college because guess what? That's what Reed did after after he finished his bachelor's of science. He went to Georgian College. So I figured, okay, well, that's what I'll do next because right now I have no practical stills. I didn't have a co-op. I have no idea what I can do with this degree. Um, I didn't learn anything in my degree, so I can't like, I can't apply any of it. Even now, I don't know what I learned from this 
this degree. I don't I didn't take anything with me because I would just memorize the PowerPoint slides before the test and then do the test. And then after that, the memorization is gone because I never learned it. It was just like a, a 48 hour memory thing. Uh, and my proctor said you should go to Durham College for environmental tech. They have a because I, I want to go. Most of the courses I took were environmental science because I knew that they had labs outside and I'd rather work outside than inside. So I took all these environmental science classes at Waterloo just so I could not spend time in the classroom and just be outside on field trips. And so that led me to Durham College, uh, which was normally a three-year program, but they have a fast-track course for students who completed their university degree. And that took that three-year program and condensed it down to eight months. So essentially what they did is they cut off the first year because that's all like introductory math and science courses, which they assume you've done in university. And then they take the second and third year and you do them at the same time. So it's like a really super busy eight months. Uh, but the positive thing is there's not a lot of students in that fast track program. There's, I think there's maybe 15 fast track students and we all have the same schedule with some like minor variations in lab schedules. Uh, but luckily enough for me, there's like kind of five of us that all had the exact same schedule. So it was completely opposite to Waterloo where I had no friends in classes. Now I had like this core group of friends that I'm going through like every class with and spending the entire day because we have, we're in class from like eight to eight. So I'm spending all day with these people. And I did so much better in college, just knowing that I had people in my classes and I like, I went to all my classes because I was looking forward to seeing these people and talking to them. Um, and then I ended up graduating college on the president's list. I had over a 90 average in that eight months. Um, they gave me lots of practical experience. Um, every like every. Well, you live and you learn. Apparently the program I've been using called Anchor, the easiest way to record a podcast only records in 30 minute chunks, which now that I'm looking at uh, the record button, it says heads up, you can record for up to 30 minutes in your web browser. Did not read that before I started recording. So this uh, second half of the podcast will be uh, probably a different energy because I just learned that the half hour I just recorded did not record and I was talking to myself in my room for absolutely no reason. Uh, so sorry for the abrupt shift uh, at the end of this podcast, but uh, I'm in a bit of a better mood now, it seems. Um, kind of getting through that first, I did record an hour podcast, even though you only heard the first half hour of it. Uh now it feels like it comes easier. So as I was saying, I finished Durham College and I took, I don't even know what I was saying now. I should have listened back to it. I finished Durham College and they gave me a lot of practical experience. This is like what I was saying. Um, and then I was really looking forward to it. I think I was very optimistic coming out of Durham College. I had these ideas that I was going to be a famous, uh, a famous scientist. Now I was like, I had so much confidence in myself. I was like, man, I'm gonna be on Joe Rogan, and he's gonna, I'm gonna be talking to him about all these environmental things. I'm gonna save global warming. I'm gonna save the world. Uh, but first, I had to get a job, which proved harder than I thought it would. I, well, I guess I, it took me two months to find my first job, which, when I'm about to tell you, it is not the job I think most people want, and I hope. None of this has been covered in the last half hour. But if it is, you're doing your homework. Uh, my first job I got was with a company called Wessick Environmental. 
and they do biosolid application. If you don't know what biosolids are, it is treated human poop. So all the poop goes to waste treatment plant. They then put it into an anaerobic digester where it sits for a few days to get rid of all the uh, the bad, bad. Uh, and then it is put into water and loaded into these big tanker trucks. And then we spray it onto fields. So I took the job because the company is called Wessick Environmental. And I was an environmental graduate. Uh, so I was like, I'm, I'm so stoked because I'm getting a job in my field two months after graduating. That's unreal. Uh, turns out the job is not what I thought it was. Uh, my job was to sit on the side of the road and hook up the tanker trucks full of poo-poo and then put it into the pump so that can be run out to the tractor and they can spread on the field. If you're more curious about the process, you can look up the company Wessuck, W-E-S-S-U-C, uh, also known as We Suck, which I never, I should have asked why they came up with that name. I have no idea how it came from or what it means, but Wessuck Environmental, and you can kind of see the whole process there. They've got some YouTube videos. Uh, but yeah, my job was just to sit there and hook up trucks and unhook trucks. And then like at the start of the day, help set up the process and clean up after. But most of my 12 to 17 hour days were sitting on the side of the road and uh, being like therapist to all these truck drivers that are just driving in loops from the water treatment plant to the field, back to the water treatment plant. Like they do that like 12 hours of driving a day. So they go to the truck. They haven't talked to anybody all day. And I'm the guy they got to talk to. And boy, I tell you, they just had these same jokes every single time. The number of times someone got out of a truck and said, are we done yet? I couldn't even count. If you gave me a nickel every time, I would I would have been able to quit that job long sooner, long sooner, long before I actually did end up leaving the job. Um, but while working that job, I was absolutely miserable. I was so unhappy with myself and with where my life was. I was so ashamed of myself. You know, my relationship at the time was just falling apart because I was I couldn't spend time with her. And I didn't I was like I didn't feel like I deserved to be with her because I was such a loser in my mind. And I wasn't doing anything. All I wanted to do was like just look forward to the weekends where I could drink and kind of forget about it and play games, video games with my friends. Um and that job I went on from June June twenty nineteen to December twenty nineteen or May to November, something like that. Six months. It was six months of working. Day started at 5.30 a.m. in Angus, which is like a 40-minute drive from Barrie. So I'm getting up before 5, driving to work to meet my coworker and pick up the work truck. We then have to drive like half an hour or an hour to the, the field we're working at to start setting up. And then the first truck we usually arrive around 7 a.m. And then from 7 a.m. to like 6 p.m., I'm just sitting on the side of the road, plugging a hose in, taking a hose off, plugging a hose in, taking a hose off, and talking to these truck drivers constantly. Um, I never ate during my day. I would just fast all day. And then at the end, after I got back to my car at the shop at like, God, sometimes it was like 11 p.m. I'd finally get back to my car. I'd then go to a drive-thru, order like 20 bucks worth of fast food, eat it, either eat it on my drive home or get home and like smoke some weed and then just eat it all in like 10 minutes just to go to bed and wake up again at like 4.30 in the morning to redo it. I was sleeping like five hours a night sometimes, sometimes less. Uh, definitely not legal, but I didn't know any better. And I was like, well, I have this like people pleaser um, personality 
where I just want things to be as easy as possible for everything else. I never want to be a burden. So I never like, I'm like, oh, well, if I leave, it's going to ruin the job for all these people. It's going to make all their lives worse. So therefore I have to keep suffering through this just to be like a team player um, where that's like not the way to do it. If you put in your time and it's not for you, you, have, you don't owe people anything. There's a little advice if anyone's listening to this. You don't owe people anything. It's You get one shot at life. You should be as happy as possible doing that life. So do what's right for you. Um, Yeah, so that was my time at Wessex. Uh, overall, hated it. But, uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. I still have a Wessex hat that I wear all the time just to kind of, like, remind myself of what I went through and how I survived it. Um. I was making like good money though, I guess it was 18 bucks an hour, but I was working so much overtime at like 36 an hour. So like I was getting a good paycheck, but it just was not worth it for the, the mental stress and like the physical toll it took my body. Um, so like come November, 2019, I'm still working at Wessick miserable. And I get a Facebook message from one of my friends at school that his consulting company he works for is hiring someone to Mississauga for a, a hydrogeology position uh, for field staff. And I was immediately like, I'll do it. Like, I'll take it. It's in Mississauga. I don't care. I'll drive to Mississauga every day. And then the hour and a half drive, whatever. Uh, it's better than these 17 hour days that I'm just, I'm killing myself here. So I do a phone interview. It went well. Drive down to Mississauga, do an in-person interview. It went well. And then I do a second interview in Newmarket and it went well. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a, I got a job offer in the mail, which was like, it was such a relief. Uh, a, because it was like a good job and I'm excited to be there. And B, it was like, I can leave this job and not feel bad about it. Like I have a reason for leaving now. Um, and there was one driver, uh, like there were a few drivers. And I'm like, I'm not going to miss them. They were, they were really annoying. Um, and I can't blame them. Like I don't dislike them. That they're just annoying. I mean, you're alone in a truck all day. I don't think that that life is the life that panned out for themselves. Uh, just driving circles with a truck full of poo. Um, so I can't blame them. But there was one driver that was like, so he was so excited for me, Marty. And he was he was so proud. He was, telling, he was always telling his wife that uh, I'm going to be an engineer, which wasn't true, but I wasn't going to correct him. And he, uh, he was so excited that I was like getting out of that business and going on to do something bigger and better. And that made me feel really, really good to know that someone was uh, looking out for me. Um, where's it going? So Burnside. Yeah. Um, I did really well at my interviews. Interviews are kind of like presentations for me uh, where I've always done well at them. I think I'm 13 for 13 on job interviews and job offers. Like I've always, when I go and I know what I have to do and know what I have to talk about, I'm great at talking. Uh, it's just when I don't know what I have to talk about and there's like, it's so open-ended, that's when I suck as in conversations when they're so open-ended, I can't do that. But in an interview, I just got to talk about myself, answer their questions, ask them some questions. It's easy peasy. Uh, so I got the job and that was starting in January, 2020. Uh, so yeah, I started January, 2020. I was driving down to Mississauga to work for RJ Burnside as a environmental scientist in the hydrogeology department doing pretty much exactly what I learned at Durham College, which was very refreshing because uh, I didn't think I'd ever use my schooling. I didn't use anything from Waterloo. Waterloo essentially just got me into this fast track program at Durham College. <clears throat> Sorry. 
and take some water. Um, but everything I learned in college was directly relatable to this new job. So that was refreshing that I was like, oh, okay, I didn't waste all my time at school. Um, but really like two months in come February, 2020, that's when I started like having the th thoughts that maybe this wasn't for me. Cause I mean, I did check the box, go to school. And now I've checked that second box, get a good job. Um, and that's like, you're supposed to be happy now at this point. Like you, you've done exactly what they told you to do. That's what's supposed to lead into a good life. But all I could think was, oh, I'm just going to be doing this now for years to come. I'm going to buy a house and I just be keep working to pay off that house. Sorry, I'm just grabbing a water bottle. And that was like not a life I was super stoked about. It's like, it's not a bad job. I'm working with great people. Um, but it's just not what I wanted to do. It's not what I imagined myself doing. And I was so like focused on the aspect of getting a job. I never really took a time to consider what do I actually want to do for a job. Um, so that was the point where I started thinking about what I actually want to do. And the thing that kept coming back up was stand up comedy. I've always loved watching stand up comedians and more so than watching them, like listening to them on podcasts, talking about like the the inside baseball of stand up comedy and all the intricacies of it and all the stories they have about being on the road, being a struggling comedian, just driving around, meeting new people and performing. And like that, I just fell in love with that. And the idea of that, not even like most people are like, oh, I want to be fam a famous comedian. I want everyone to know who I am. I, I don't want that at all. I just want to be able to make money like being myself and talking about who I am on stage and f like hoping people can like relate to what I'm going through, what I'm talking about. And like, I can help them because uh, I've definitely needed help throughout my life. Um, so yeah, come February, I was kind of, I was already having thoughts that I want to do something else, but I wasn't just going to give up on this job right away. Cause like I said, it was a good job. It wasn't killing me like Wessick was. You know, it was great hours. There's a great life, work-life balance. Um, but then March comes along and uh, the old COVID-19 rolls in. And that kind of really put a spin on that on things. Um, the good thing it did for me was it let me get on my lease in Mississauga. I was paying $1,300 for a basement apartment, uh, living under a bishop in Mississauga, five minutes from the office. Um but $1,300 when you're getting paid $2,600 a month, it's not good at financial management. There was not a lot of money left over. And I was getting into a pretty deep hole that I don't think I would have gotten out of if COVID didn't come along. I would have had to find some way to break that lease or get a second job. Um, so that, since the office is shut down and we went to work from home, I was able to move back, back to home in Barrie and live with my parents for a, a much more affordable 500 bucks a month. Um, and then that being at home, it was definitely tough on the new job when you don't have that face time with your new, with your employees and your managers, you're just kind of alone. And then I just like go up to my field sites and, you know, work with my coworkers. And like, that was always fun. I always liked that part of the job, but all the stuff working at home was definitely not where I really felt like it's not what I want to do. And like writing reports and, processing the data and that was taking its toll on me um and then come july was when things really had a real shift in perspective um so my friends and i have done uh, 
I mean, this would be a surprise to some, but we've done a LSD a few times uh, in March of 2020, I think was the first time we did it. And then July was the second time. And the first time it was, it was amazing. It was like such a, a positive experience I had. It got rid of all my, all my anxiety was gone. Uh, I felt so connected to my friends. I felt so happy and like optimistic about the future. I felt so good. Uh, so the second time I was like, okay, it's going to be the same thing. Um, and it was for the most part until like nearing the end of the night, uh, my friends were like, Hey, if you smoke marijuana, it kind of like re-enhances the experience. It like reawakens the LSD. Um, which, so I, I mean, I, I, that's, I wanted that. That sounded great. I wanted more experience on LSD, more of this anxiety free living life with a, a good perspective and being happy. Um, I can't really describe the experience of being on LSD unless you've actually done it. It's like trying to describe color to a blind person. You either have to experience it or you'll never, there's no words that can describe a good experience, which is weird because you can easily describe a bad experience on it. Uh, which my bad experience was I smoked marijuana. And at that point in my life, I was having a lot of anxiety about work. And when I smoke marijuana and I'm anxious, it just makes me more anxious. It doesn't fix it. Combine that with being on LSD, and it's just weird, like chemical soup in my brain that just made me uh, completely break down. Have a, this, uh, I think, what they call ego death, is you uh, you lose your identity. So I spent a couple hours sitting in the backyard on a chair, uh, just shaking, not knowing who I was, where I was, what was happening. I thought, I thought I was just. Uh, stuck. It felt like I was stuck in a snow globe. Like time was not passing, and I was just stuck in that moment forever. Uh, my friends were all around me, and I like, I recognized them. But I didn't know who they were, what their names were. Um, and then I mean, it was a terrible experience, but it was also like the most life changing experience that like led me to where I am today. Uh, that experience, coupled with my girlfriend that I had for the last three years, um that like those two combined completely changed who I am. I remember waking up the next morning and uh, all I wanted to do was call my ex and like tell her how miserable I'd been. And like, not like because of her, uh, but like just in my life and how I've been burning down all these emotions and I was carrying all this anxiety inside me. And I couldn't believe that like, I had felt so terrible because I was holding that in for so long and like it just exploded and like was just ruining me. Um, yeah, so I called her and I talked to her for like an hour, just explaining, like talking about my emotions for the first time and letting things out for the first time. And that like led to me enrolling in therapy for the first time in my life. And I did that for a year. Uh, I can't afford it anymore now. So that's why air and air out has come to existence because I'm just going to air out all my therapy and you guys have to listen to it or no one's listening to this right now. It's just me talking to a mic, but same effect. Um, and then, yeah, I actually, I know, I, I mean, I didn't tell anyone at work that like, uh, I did LSD and had a, a nervous breakdown. I told him I had a panic attack and needed to take like a week off. So I took that week off and like kind of reevaluated things. Um, and then when I came back, I was way better at my job. And they noticed it. They talked about how far I've come and how you know, how much of a better reliable member I was of the team. Like my work was like so much better and I was really fitting in uh, and that felt good, but still like 
it was never the place I wanted to be. So it was nice to be good at my job and to have my, like, be appreciated for my work. But I still knew that wasn't what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. There was always that thought of, like, you know, doing stand-up, making YouTube videos, um, doing podcasts, all those creative things. That's still, like, what I wanted to do and, like, what how I wanted to spend my time, just being creative for a living rather than being professional. Um, I mean, nothing really of note happened between July 2020 to, um, I guess, June of 2020 when the next major step had. I did end up breaking up with that girlfriend who was very positive for me. Um, I still consider her a friend, even though I, I don't know how to talk to her right now. It's kind of weird, but uh, I think we'll get through that. And I mean, she's an instrumental part of my life, and I think she uh, she belongs to be in it. Um, but in June of 2020 was when I finally decided that I was going to take uh, take the next step and get out of my comfort zone. I had uh, lived a very comfortable life. A lot of stuff was just handed to me, and I didn't really, I never really worked really hard in my life. Um, I just kind of went through the motions and kind of could succeed, but uh, I was never succeeding in ways that uh, I was proud of and that I was like, um, I wanted to move forward with these things. Um, so in June, I told my bosses that like, this just isn't the place for me. Uh, I want to go out and, you know, step out of my comfort zone and try some new things while I'm young and have no kids and have no mortgage. Um, and I gave them a three-month notice so they could hire someone uh, to replace me and I could train them. And then it wouldn't be, you know, like I said, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to be hard on people. So I gave them that large window to make sure it's like as comfortable transition for all of us. Um, and, you know, those three months, that was just, that was about three months ago. Um, sorry, the, the screen just popped up with something weird. Uh, that was three months ago. Now here we are. So I, you know, spent three months, you know, just planning of what I'm going to do. Not even really planning, just excited about this new opportunity that I'm going to have. You know, life chapter two is going to start. Uh, August 26th was my last day. 2021 was my last day with Burnside. Uh, and then September 1st, no, 2nd, September 2nd, I moved into this house I'm currently in with uh, Ethan, my former roommate from when I went to school in Waterloo and I've known him since 10th grade. And then his, his old roommate, Martin has moved in with us as well. And we all have this kind of same idea of they, I mean, they want to like film YouTube videos and they want to do sketch comedy. Um, so it's like a really good environment to have all these artistic creative people together. And we all have this common goal. But uh, for me, it's all about, I want to like struggle and fail is what I want, which is weird. Most people don't want to fail, but I feel like I've had such a comfortable life going on so far that I'm like looking forward to trying things and have it not working out. Things have always worked out and then I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Whereas now I want to like do the things I actually want to do. And when they don't work out, figure out how I got to fix those and improve upon them so that they do work out. So I had this idea that like, you know, I kind of have to reframe failure in my mind. I always thought failure was when you don't get the expected outcome that you want, which is not really failure in my mind, uh, because we can always control the inputs of what we have in life. We can never control the output we get. 
you know, we can always put all this work in, but we have no control over what's going to get back to us. You know, we do a class project. You can control as much as you want of what you put into the project and put as much effort as possible into it, but you have no guarantee of what grade you're going to get back to it. That's like a simple explanation, but uh, that's kind of how I want to live my life. I just want to keep putting, I need to start putting things into this world. And I'm not going to know what the output's going to be, but uh, if it's not what the output I want, I can always adjust and reapply. Um, so I kind of have these, the three H's I want to live by now. Happy, healthy, honesty. Uh, those are, I think, the most three most important things that you can have in life. Before, I thought I was just job and money, job, money, house. Um, and I learned I had job money and they weren't panning out. So I didn't want to put more money into the house. I think I, I could skip that step before I learned my lesson. Um, yeah, I feel like now I've kind of covered everything I covered in the last um, recording that's no longer existent. Uh, yeah, I'm in Waterloo now. I'm very excited about this opportunity, but I've also got to like spruce up my work ethic, which I mean, doing this podcast is step number one. I've been putting this thing off for forever, um, but I actually did it now and it's going to be posted and you're going to listen to it. Probably not going to listen to the whole thing because who would listen to me talk for an hour? Um, but yeah, I want to get, we're going to get videos posted soon. I'm going to start doing TikToks again. I'm going to I'm going to try so hard to do stand up. It's way harder than I thought to get started. Um just not so much like getting the courage to get on stage, but uh finding a place that's having amateurs right now during COVID is very tough. There's not a lot of open mics going on, so I think it's going to take a lot of extra work for me and maybe even more effort of me going to talk to some venues and starting my own open mic and kind of, you know, not taking no for an answer. So that's where I'm at. Anyone who has actually listened to this and knows me from school or from earlier in life and is wondering what happened to Aaron as he fell off the radar, and also as he never talks anyways, you're wondering what's going on in my mind, this is where I'm at. I'm starting a new journey in life and trying to live what's best for me. So... Hopefully I covered everything I wanted to cover. I don't really want to listen back to this myself. Cause that's an hour listening to my own voice. Um, but if you enjoyed this, I don't know. There must be some way. Maybe on Instagram you can say, hey, love the podcast. Or if you want to ask me some questions that I can talk about next week's episode. Um, I think next week. I don't know what I'm going to talk about next week. I'm going to plan that. I also plan on doing a kind of starting out to document my journey as well in chapter two of life um doing a vlog style kind of thing where you can kind of get a a visual of what i'm doing and not just have to listen to my voice and see what kind of what kind of things i'm getting up to and see uh, what it looks like when someone tries to change a life and take a a leap of faith into this new new journey so hope you enjoyed this um and i hope you stick around until next week when i post another one and I hope before that as well, I have some videos up that you can watch as well and give me some feedback on. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.